Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Tonight, as you're kind of getting settled, I want to thank you for something. Um, I want to thank you for last week. Um, those of you that um, just kind of stayed a little bit late as we finished our talk on a subject that was really difficult to kind of talk about. And um, last week when you know, we, were, we were talking about it, I thought, I wonder if anybody's actually going to show up since we're talking about the topic of pornography. And I was just, thank you guys for coming and listening. And I'm also, I was also very encouraged, like so many of you actually opened up a little bit, talked to, talked to your leaders, um, talked to me, and I, I appreciate that. And one of the things we want to do for this series is to let you know that you are not alone. These things that you struggle with, these things that you deal with, um, we hope you go and talk to your parents about it, um, but we're also here for you. Um, tonight, we're talking about our next hot topic. These are honest conversations on touchy subjects. And last week, we didn't have tag because I thought, well, when we have our, dis- when we have our discussion questions, uh, <laughs> ain't nobody going to want to talk about last week's topic and tag. Uh, but tonight, I thought, I'll bet there was a lot to say or be said about social media. And we asked this question, and I'll kind of start out by just kind of talking to you about and ask this question to you. Um, which platform, social media platform, do you like the most and why? Just tell me. Digame. Somebody said Instagram. Dylan had his hand up. What do you say? say YouTube. YouTube? Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> we, we, on, on Sunday, uh, in our, our like Sunday, little Sunday group of high schoolers, I was talking like, you know, what do you guys think about this social media platform, this social media platform? And um, I mentioned Facebook, and your faces all turned like this, like. So. Caden <laughs> uh, uh, has one. He's. Google Plus, oh yeah, Caden is, uh, is the only one left on Google Plus, is Caden. They're, they're, they're down to one user. Um, one that I've, I'm really enjoying, TikTok, anybody else really enjoying the, I mean, you can lose, you can lose, my man, you can lose years of your life um, in TikTok. Um, so as we're, as we're talking about social media, I like to start out, you know, obviously we're going we're gonna to go to the Bible, we're going to talk about what does God have to say about the principles that drive social media. Um, but as we're talking about it, I want to first start out by starting with some numbers. And some of these numbers may be news to you, they may not be. Um, but the first number that we think of when we think of social media um, are the most popular online yeah, the most popular social media platforms um, among teenagers, according to the study, when you guys know this anyway, but it's the ones you were talking about, YouTube, Instagram, and Snapchat are the most popular platforms um, among those 18 and under. What, anybody know what the fastest growing one is right now? Not Snapchat. Not YouTube. YouTube is, is, the, is the second biggest. Oh, Austin Ray for the win. Twitch is the fastest. Um, how many of y'all um, you watch or are a part of, uh, of Twitch? Yeah, okay. Um, so how many, yeah, how many of y'all know, all know of a guy named Ninja? Okay, yeah. So um, Twitch is the fastest growing one. Two years ago, Snapchat, it, it went like this. It went Snapchat and then YouTube and then Instagram. Today, it's 
Instagram and Snapchat, it's reversed. And today, the number one is surprisingly Instagram. And then YouTube is still number second. Snapchat is number third. And what most people say is a lot of people, they still have a Snapchat, but they use Instagram more when Instagram copied a lot of the Snapchat stuff, you know, with like the stories and the, you know, the disappearing pictures and all that, yeah, fun stuff. Um, the next statistic is 95% of teens have access to a smartphone, which is kind of like a duh, but the, um, the interesting thing is 10 years ago, it was like 5%. So like, it's a, it's a huge change that's happened among what, like, what it means to be a teenager has really changed. Um, and then, but what's the effect of that? They pulled a bunch of teenagers. One out of every three, approximately 31% of teens um, said that the net effect of social media was like a positive thing. Like it's a good thing that we have social media. I can connect with people, blah, blah, blah. But then one out of every four, so one out of every four said it was kind of a negative. It was a, mostly a negative effect. And, you know, they, and then 50% of all teenagers are kind of undecided. Like there's some good things about it and there's some bad things about it. That's kind of what, the, the way I feel. Like there's some good things about it, there's some bad things about it. The top reason that was given for the, the negative effects of social media were the bullying and rumors. And, um, you know, I, I don't have to talk to you guys any about that because you know plenty about that. Um, so everybody's you know, kind of involved in some measure of social media. Um, what effect does it have? Well, we can talk about whether it's been good or whether it's been bad, but there's actually some science behind it. We talked a little bit about this last week when we were talking about pornography, of the effect that social media even has on your brain. It's really interesting. Um, when you, there's, there's nothing, I don't, well, there's nothing more interesting than when you open your phone, you know, you go like that, you pull up your social media account, and there at the bottom is a little heart with a number next to it. You say, somebody thinks I'm important. Somebody acknowledged my existence. Somebody did the old double tap on one of my pictures. And that makes me feel really good. You know what, they have, neuroscientists have studied that effect, and we talked a little bit about this last week in a whole different category, but they started studying addictions. They started with people who were addicted to drugs, and they learned that, you know, these people in their, the brain, there's the reward center that associates a certain behavior with a certain feeling, you know, good feeling. So they, you know, people who use drugs, the high that they get off that drug, it hits their reward center. So every time they do it, they think they feel good, and it becomes that their brain is hardwired to use drugs, and that's yeah, how a lot of addiction is formed. We talked last week about how pornography, it works kind of the same way into which that reward center in the brain is rewarded when, when, when that content is viewed, and it, it, it hardwires your brain towards that. Both of those are because your brain, when you consume those things, it releases a chemical called dopamine. The brain produces it um, that, 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 that kind of burns it into your mind. Did you know that when you, scientists have determined that when you get likes on social media, that your brain releases a little bit of that dopamine and it actually comes back to the reward center. So there's a reason why you just checked your phone 30 seconds ago. But what are you doing again? You're checking your phone because you think somebody, nobody liked my picture 30 seconds ago, but in the past 30 seconds, somebody may have liked me <laughs> or liked something I did. And I've got to know that because I feel good. I sound like, a, what's his name? Wow, I feel good. Um, 
James Brown, right? Okay. Um, you, 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 because you remember how good you felt when you got that like or you know, when somebody snapped you back or whatever it was. So, so there's a mental, a brain aspect to this and it, it interfaces with what the Bible says because God tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse two, that we shouldn't be conformed to the world but we, we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So the world, through all kinds of different methods, is trying to get our brain to be bent towards this one particular thing. But God says that we should bend our mind, renew our mind around the things of God. So as we talk about social media, um, I want you to think about some things. And yeah, I, I know there's good and bad to social media. And we're not, the, the, the purpose of tonight is not to say you need to delete your Instagram, you need to delete your Snapchat, you need to delete your TikTok, you need to delete your you, you, your YouTube channel, you need to delete, I'm trying to think of obscure social media platforms, you need to need your, my, your, your MySpace, you need to delete your Twitch, you need to delete your, you remember when Peach was a thing for like two seconds? Uh, you, know, you, you need to get totally go off the grid, that's not the point, uh, because social media can be a great tool. Social media can be a great tool to connect with people, but it's not so much it's not so much about who's following you, but it's about who you follow. And when we start chasing after certain things in social media, it starts leading us rather than letting God lead us. Social media is a great tool. This is kind of what we're going to talk about tonight. Social media is a great tool, but it's a poor shepherd of your soul. So tonight, the question is, who is your shepherd as we talk about social media. Turn to John chapter 10, and we're gonna read um, a parable that Jesus gives. And as we read this parable, um, and you're turning there, I wanna tell you just a little bit about the situation, right? Every story in the Bible happens in the middle of a situation. And if you don't understand the situation, you're not gonna understand what Jesus gets at. Here's, in in a real quick nutshell, the situation that Jesus was in. Jesus is walking down the road, meets a blind guy. Jesus says, hey, would you like to not be blind anymore? And the guy's like, "Uh, yeah. So Jesus gets some dust from the ground. He spits in the dust, turns it into saliva mud, which who doesn't like saliva mud, and puts it on the guy's eyes. Ew. Um, Then he tells the guy, he says, go down to the pool of Shalom and wash your face, obviously, because you have saliva. You've got, you know, loogie on your face. You know, go, go wash your face in the pool of Siloam. And when this blind man washed his face, when he washed the mud off his eyes, he could see. He'd been blind since birth. So all of a sudden, he's walking around. He's telling, telling everybody, hey, put three fingers up. Yep, I can see. And, and everybody's like, there's this huge crowd that crowds around him. They say, well, we need to figure out how in the world did this guy heal you? So they take him to the synagogue to talk to the Pharisees, the kind of priestly type people, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, of the, of the, of the, the scriptures, and the, they grill him. The Pharisees are like, now tell me, how did you get your sight? And he's like, well, I was just walking down the road, and I bumped into some guy named Jesus. And the Pharisees are like, oh, Jesus. They didn't like Jesus. You know how there's people in your school probably that you don't like? You know, they walk in the room and you, go, you give them the, you know, you, girls can give people, can, can give looks that you don't even need words. I'm just like, well, type things. You know, you know so when, when I, you know, 
That was the look that the Pharisees gave Jesus. They did not like Jesus because he was cutting in on their business. Yeah, Jesus was preaching the kingdom of God, and they were preaching law. And so they said, now listen, tell us what you think about Jesus. We, you know, t- tell us Jesus isn't a great guy, is he? And he's like, well, he kind of, yeah, healed me. <laughs> so I don't want to say he's an altogether bad guy. They're like, tell us he's a bad guy or we're going to kick you out of the temple or the, the synagogue. And the guy's like, he healed me. All I know is I was once blind, but now I can see. And he, they kick him out of the temple. They kick him out of the temple and, the, and, and Jesus learns about that. So he talks with the Pharisees and he has kind of like, an, just like we're having an honest conversation in our, 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 our Hot Topic series, Jesus has a very honest conversation with the Pharisees. And he says, hey, I just healed a blind guy, but let me tell you this, you guys are the ones who are blind. You guys are the ones who just don't get it. And he compares the Pharisees to thieves and robbers of sheep. Now, we don't live in a very um, agrarian culture, but if somebody calls me a sheep thief, I don't really know what that means, <laughs> but I don't want to be called a sheep thief. <laughs> and, he, and, and the Pharisees don't understand what he's getting at, so he kind of clarifies it here in John chapter 10, verse 7. So let's read it. Jesus says, very truly, I tell you, I'm the gate for the sheep. All those who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to me, or the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in, go out, and find pasture. The thief comes only to kill, steal, and de- or to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come that they may have life and life to the full. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. Now you may have, a, as, as I was reading this, I kind of asked a question. Jesus compares himself to two different things. He says, I am the gate, and then he says, I am the good shepherd. How can Jesus be both? How can he be both the gate, and how can he, be both, and he, how can he also be the good shepherd? And what does that have to do with social media? What does sheep have to do with social media? Well, let, let's, let's talk about this a little bit. This is how a, re, a sheep pen used to be. And you can see what the shepherd was. When Jesus said, I am the gate, and then he said, I am the shepherd, this is what he was talking about. The sheep would be penned in for safety, and there would be this one narrow opening. It'd be a block, like stone wall, all the way around these sheep, and there'd be this one narrow opening where the sheep could come and go. And the shepherd who watched after the sheep was not only acting as a shepherd, he was acting as a gate for the sheep. He would sit in the middle of that narrow opening and make sure he knew whether the sheep came or whether they went. He would also protect the sheep. When it would be time to go to sleep, the shepherd would lay across that gate and lay across that opening. So if any, if any sheep were to leave, he would know. If anything that was dangerous, a thief or an, like, a, like a, a vicious animal would enter into the sheep pen, he would know and he would protect the sheep. So when Jesus is saying, I am the shepherd and I am the gate, this is what he means. But look at what he says about the Pharisees. Remember, he's pointing at the Pharisees about this. He says, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers. The, the, the thieves during that time, I lost my, I lost my, you ever lose your train of thought? The thieves at that time, this was a, a common problem, is that people would be sheep thieves. And what they would do is they would try to climb over these walls 
And the first thing that they would do is they would harass one of the sheep. They would take a stick and whack it. They would do all these things to try to, to, try to harass the sheep because here's what they were trying to do. They were trying to incite a stampede. <laughs> you imagine a sheep stampede. <laughs> you know? But they, they were trying to incite a stampede so that more sheep could get through that gate than the shepherd could prevent. And one thing we know about sheep and why when Jesus compares us to sheep, it's not necessarily a compliment because you know what one, you, you, you've maybe heard me say this before, what is the typical view of a sheep? What, is, what, what do most sheep see? They see the butts of the other sheep because sheep always follow other sheep. Sheep follow sheep off a cliff. Sheep follow sheep into danger because all they know is I see a butt of a sheep going this way. I'm just going to follow my buddy. I don't know where he goes. And aren't we a lot like that, right? We'll follow our friends into situations. Our friends have gotten us into some pretty difficult situations. So they would harass the sheep. Sometimes they would reach over the gate and try to steal one of the sheep. And they wouldn't do it because they wanted their own pet little sheep. They would do it because they wanted the meat from the sheep. And most shepherds did not farm the sheep for meat. Most shepherds, they, they kept their sheep for the wool and they would, they would cut the wool once a year, the fruit of the sheep. But what these thieves would do is they would take the lamb, they would kill the lamb, and they would cut the meat out of the lamb and leave it for dead. So when Jesus compared these Pharisees to sheep thieves, certainly not a compliment, right? And what does he say about the thieves? He says, um, he says the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And that was what the thieves did to those sheep. That was what the Pharisees were doing to the people that they were supposed to be in charge of. You know, God put them as religious leaders in charge of the souls, in charge of the spiritual well-being of the nation of Israel. And you can read the prophets. You can read like Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. And in those prophetic books, God, through those prophets, he chastises the religious leaders of Israel because they were being bad spiritual shepherds to their people. They were bad shepherds. And years later, Jesus is walking the earth, and what do we find? We find bad shepherds, people who, people who exploited other people. They were in positions of power, and they were exploiting other people. We read that sometimes, or we see that in the news sometimes, where, where somebody who was in a, in a position of power and, and was responsible for other people, rather than yeah, helping them and encouraging them and building them up, they used, abused, and exploited those people. I would submit to you that when social media in your life is not in its proper place, when it stops being a tool and it starts being your shepherd, it starts being the thing that drives your life, it will use, abuse, and exploit you. And I want to talk about three ways in which just like Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There are three ways where social media can steal, kill, and destroy. And the first is that social media can steal our joy. You know, a lot of you know this guy, right? Um, this, yeah, all, all, the, all the middle school guys do, I'm sure. Um, if, if you don't know who this is, this guy's name is Ninja. And he kind of looks like a dork. Not to be mean. But this dork has 13 million followers on Twitch who watch him play Fortnite. 
This dork averages from his followers, I want to make sure I wrote this down, full over 4 million viewing hours per month. This dork is making over $500,000 a month from ads for people watching him play Fortnite. Now, for a lot, I'm not kidding, (laughs) for a lot of you, this sounds like the life. Like, you're going to visit your guidance counselor tomorrow and say, now, listen up, up, listen up, Miss Urine, I'm changing my plans. (laughs) I was going to go into biomedical stuff. Nope, Fortnite. Here's the problem. He He was recently interviewed, and listen to this. He spends an average of between 15 to 17 hours per day either A, playing Fortnite for an audience, or B, maintaining his Twitch social media profile. 17 hours a day. And they asked him, why do you put so much time into it? And he said this. And this... this, This is kind of a microcosm of our lives and how sometimes we deal with our social media. He said, if I stop producing content that people like, they'll move on to the next player. And for a lot of us, we feel such a need to be accepted that we feel like if I stop producing this manicured content that reflects my life, nobody's going to notice me. And when we try to produce a fake version of ourselves to find acceptance from people who really don't like us anyway, we start to lose our joy. Because social media is a great tool, but it's a poor shepherd. Jeff, you can just loop these videos, but um, there's this guy who, he's this really interesting photographer, and he came up with this project where he took a picture of, um, uh, of several teenage girls, and he allowed them to advise him on how to use the different, like, you know, Photoshop Lightroom tools to airbrush their pictures into a picture that would be acceptable for social media. And it was really, I was kind of going through it and looking at it, and it's really interesting, like, the dissatisfaction that some people have with the way they think others are going to perceive them and the way that they feel like they need to perform in front of others. And the pictures are interesting, and, 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 and there's nothing, obviously nothing wrong with, with trying to make yourself look better. But we have this performance mentality that whenever we have an audience, whether it be so online, like social media, or whether it be in person, that we have to perform for others. And this isn't, I'm, I'm, I'm not picking on girls here because guys are exactly the same way. You watch these bros when they take their picture and they do their frat boy pose, they go like this, but they don't just go like this. They have to flex, right? <gasps> you know, I'm just, I'm just waiting for one of them, like a vein to like pop out of their mind. Because they, t- they have to, when they take their picture, they have to make sure their, their, their biceps are at like this certain angle so that the, 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 the short head appears and the long head of the bicep appears so that they look like big, bad guys. And Nothing wrong with doing it to feel good about yourself and to have a, you know, and, and, and to, you know, to, to look better. But when we do it for acceptance, when we become a slave for acceptance, we don't really find joy in that. Not only do we have our joy stolen because we 
look for acceptance, we fall into the comparison trap. Tomorrow is um, a controversial day. If you work for Hallmark, you love Valentine's Day. If you have a date, you either love or are dreading Valentine's Day. If you don't have a date, it's Single Awareness Day. And here's the thing. Some of you are going to be laying on your couch tomorrow with your sweatpants, watching Wheel of Fortune with your grandma, with a big bag of Doritos next to you. The crumbs have fallen on your tummy, and your phone screen is smeared with Dorito finger orange, kind of you know, like a bad spray tan, and you're scrolling through, and as you look through the Dorito stains on your phone, you see that all your friends, they got men's or they got women's. For Valentine's Day, they have a date and you're sitting there. And you compare <laughs> Dorito stained you to the people that went down to um, Main Street on Central or whatever that is and spent $100 for a piece of food this big. Some of you are going to be at home on Friday night and you're clicking through the stories and you see that Everybody else in your friend group was invited to a party except you. You don't, have to, you don't have to wonder where you stand socially. It's right there on the screen. It's right there on the screen. Social media is a great tool, but it's a poor shepherd. And if you look to social media for acceptance, if you look to social media for joy... It's going to be stolen pretty quick. Jesus said this. Jesus said that you were accepted into his beloved in Colossians chapter 1. Proverbs says this, that envy makes the bones rot. Some of us, because of our social media addiction, inside, we're like the walking dead. We're like zombies. You know, they say when you get older, your, your bones start to kind of like lose their strength, and it's called osteoporosis. Some of us, because of our envy, have osteoporosis of the soul. Social media can steal our joy, but Jesus said, I can give life and life abundantly. Not only can social media, it doesn't have to, by the way, it doesn't have to steal our, social media can also kill life-giving, meaningful relationships, I love this picture. I've seen it several times, several different um, stations. Look at, I want to be this old lady right here. You ever been to a concert and everybody's like this at the concert, you know? You ever watched those videos you took at the concert? They're atrocious. The sound's all like, you know, the lights don't look, look good. You know, why are you, why are you taking, we try to experience life through a 10.5 inch screen <laughs> that God did not intend us to experience it for. But it can kill life-giving relationships. Um, you know what's sad is they, I'm, I'm big into numbers. If you haven't learned this, I'm big into like research. They, Amer, they've polled for 50 years Americans on this one issue. Do you feel like you're connected or do you feel like you're alone? And we are the most lonely as Americans 
as we've been in 50, the 50 years that they've been doing this research. Americans have never been more lonely than they are tonight. What's so interesting, though, is that Americans have never been more connected to people than they've been tonight. Isn't that wild? Even among teenagers, it's even more drastic among teenagers. Teenagers today who were polled by a huge margin are much more lonely than they were 10 years ago before they could connect to anyone with this phone. Why is that? I submit to you it's because our relationships have become wide instead of becoming deep. We've got all kinds of people who follow us, and we follow all kinds of people, but we don't know anyone closely, and nobody knows us closely. What does the good shepherd Jesus have to say about relationships? Well, Jesus has a lot to say about relationships. Jesus is the one who created the church. He said, I will build my church, and he gave all these, all these guidelines and all these ways in which brothers and sisters in Christ should love each other. And while we can encourage each other this way, it's a lot better to encourage each other this way. Ecclesiastes talks about it. I'll put the verse on the screen because you'll never find Ecclesiastes in time. In chapter four, verse nine, or chapter 4, verse 9, it talks about how important it is to be with people. It says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. If I'm watching Cade and he's like live streaming himself, and he falls down, can I reach through and pick him up from Instagram Live? No, I've got to be with him. It says, pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. There's a Christian pickup line. Uh, If two lie down together, they will keep warm. Hey, I will admit this. You know, my buddies and I, we camped out in some really cold weather before. And you know what we did? We got no shame. It got down to a certain temperature. Guess what I was doing? I was the little spoon with my friend Daniel. Like, we were huddling up, you know? And you, know, you can't keep somebody warm on your phone. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. You know, he's, he's not here tonight, but if anything goes down... If anything goes wrong, you know who I want close to me? I want GE close to me. He's the guy that keeps the safe back there in the door. But he's not here right now, so if, if, if I need some help, if I need some backup, would it be any good for me to call him if he's 50 miles away? Look at all of these examples. All of these examples of the importance of relationships have to do with being physically present in people's lives. And even though we're more connected than we've ever been, we're less physically present in each other's lives than we've ever been. Social media can pull apart some of the best relationships. I'm just going to say this and leave it here. But some of you, the reason you don't have a relationship with your parents is because your parents think they know you, but there's a whole other version of you on a private Instagram account that they know nothing of and you wonder why you can't connect to your parents. Social media can kill meaningful human relationships, but Jesus has a plan for relationships where we are physically present with each other. And then finally, finally, social media can destroy reputations. Social media can destroy reputations. I could go a lot of different directions on this one. When I, my high school experience was very similar to yours, but my home experience was totally different. Because when I went to high school, 
10-some-odd years ago, whatever drama happened in high school, I left it at the school. Now, whatever drama happens at school, it follows you home and it doesn't stop. You're well aware of the rumors that are going around about you because there's a whole Instagram account dedicated to the rumors that are going around at your school and everybody's spilling the tea about what's going on, whether it's true or it's not, right? Social media can destroy reputations. I'm not advising you to delete any particular form of social media. But the way of the world has become so ingrained in social media. You know that Insta- or Snapchat was started by a couple of frat boys who were trying to figure out how they could send nudes back and forth to girls in college. That's who started it. I'm not saying it's bad. I've got a Snapchat. I enjoy catching up with people and talking to people on it. But did you know that everything you post on social media is permanent? And there are, there are some platforms that give you kind of like the idea that this is anonymous and that this is going to disappear. But did you, I, I can send you the documentation on this. Did you know that every snap, every snap that was ever sent is still on Snapchat servers, and that there have been cases where there was inappropriate content sent between someone who was over 18 and someone who was under 18, and the government was able to get a subpoena to retrieve those messages from Snapchat servers. Nothing that you post online disappears. And I'm not trying to say that to be like, one day you're going to get caught. I, I say, because I really, you know, that's not what I want. What I want is for us to be careful because we have to remember that we're representatives of Christ. And the things that we like, the things that we retweet, the things that we send, it's as if Jesus had a social media account. And we were sending things on his behalf. Social media can, can destroy relationships 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says that we are God's ambassadors. Social media is a great tool, but if we make it our all in all, it's a very poor shepherd. Write these things down real quick so we can get out of here. If you can't write them down in time, the notes are already on the Refuel app. But I've got six F words about social media. And can you just go ahead and put them all on at the same time? Just scroll through all of them and put them on. I've got six F words about social media. And, um, and the one is a twofer. It's got like double F words in it. Um, these are some social media hacks um, that I would encourage you to do. Um, in, in, in a way to kind of put social media in its right place. The first is filter. Filter what comes in and filter what comes out. Um, Ephesians chapter 4 says, don't let any unwholesome communication come out of your mouth. So we could also say, no, don't let any unwholesome communication come from your thumbs or come from your snaps. Um, we should also filter what we let in. Um, the, you know, the things that we consume, you know, the things that we scroll through and that we see, they affect us. And the Bible says, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, whatever's of good report, praiseworthy, we should think on those things. The next one is flop. I don't know how many of you, like when I, when I go home tonight, you know, I'm not going to crawl into bed. I'm going to flop into bed. I'm going to pass out. I'm going to snore really loud and keep April up all night because I'm tired. Um, <laughs> she looks like she's looking forward to that. 
Here's, here's, a, here's a really good guideline. It doesn't make you more spiritual if you do it or not, but I really think there's some, there's some Bible to kind of back up this idea as it being wise. Wake up before your screen does and put it to bed before you go to bed. When we see Jesus, the first thing he did when he woke up was he spent time with the Father. The last thing he did before he went to bed was spent time with the Father. How different would our lives be if we woke up and went to bed with Jesus being the last thing on our minds. The final thing is forthright, not forthnight, not fortnight, forthright. Don't keep secrets from your parents. This is not the one that you're gonna like or enjoy, but 70% of teenagers have done, according to this poll, have done something to hide their online activity from their parents. If you're portraying yourself to your parents as one person and yourself on social media as a whole different person, uh, you, you are not in fellowship with God. You're not in fellowship with God. The Bible says we're supposed to honor, obey, and respect our parents. Final thing is, the next one's flee. Take a social media Sabbath. Um, I've heard it said this way, and I really think there's a lot of wisdom in this. They say divert daily, withdraw weekly, and abandon annually. Some people, it's just a good rule of thumb. Take an hour a day away from your phone, a day a week, and a week a year. When I spend a week away from my phone, I come back and I'm like, oh my goodness, I feel a whole lot better. Those of you that go on the mission trip with us, we don't, we're not without our phone the whole week, but I have this big bag where I collect all the phone, we collect all the phones during ministry time. By the end of the week, nobody wants their phone. It's the craziest thing. Nobody wants their phone because they've enjoyed the like face-to-face relationship. Here's the two for one. Friends and family, be present for the people who matter. Yeah, I was convicted of this too. You know, there, there are some people in my family, some of my, you know, some of my grandparents and people who are older, Christmas and you know, visiting can be boring, but I may not ever have another Christmas with these people. I'd be ashamed to spend that Christmas buried in my phone. Be present for the people who matter. The final thing is follow. No matter who follows you, follow Jesus. Are we really following Jesus? What's the next step in your life to follow Jesus? Is it baptism? Do you need to be baptized? We're having baptism Sunday. Um, Do you need to make some changes in your life? Do you need to spend more time in the Word? Um, It's all about who you follow. Social media is a great tool, but a poor shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. So let's pray, and uh, we'll get out of here. Uh, Father, thank you for bringing us together tonight. Uh, God, your Word is so amazing in that even something that happened 2,000 years after you lived, Snapchat didn't surprise you, and Instagram didn't surprise you. These issues that we deal with aren't new issues. They're just in a new format. God, I pray that we will find our acceptance in you, that we'll be grateful for the life that you've given us, that rather than comparing our life to others, God, that we will see who we're becoming in you. God, I pray that you'll give us courage to live differently. Um, in this world, and that people will note that we have been with you, and they will want what we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.